Okay. Okay. Well, I inadvertently seem to have clicked a button that stopped us for a minute there, Ralph. Yeah, well, uh, don't click on buttons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that uh, you and I got from this article, and I'll put the article up uh, under Learn More, is that uh, there are certain things to think about in terms of helping your teen uh, with uh, his or her first job. You'd think that you know, all you had to do is find the job and you know, push them in the right direction. And, and it's kind of interesting. I went to a, a website that looked at jobs for teens, and I came up with a whole list of them, like dog walking. And I hadn't thought of a lot of these. Babysitting. Uh, babysitting is the one that I did. Library assistant, tutor, landscape laborer. Uh, concession stand worker, and about 30 of them, you know, all together there. So I'll put those up yeah. and learn more. Uh, it's interesting because uh, a lot of the jobs that are cited both in the article and, and when you go into look for jobs for teens kind of uh, sites, there are things that you don't perhaps immediately think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what was your first job as a, as a teen? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, when I was, uh, actually, I was a preteen. I was 12, and my father uh, knew uh, that I could be trusted with our power lawnmower, which was uh, kind of a, a big deal back in the dawn of time. And uh, he suggested that I canvas some of the neighbors uh, and ask if they wanted their lawn mowed. So I got three different uh, people who wanted their lawn mowed. And uh, I said to Dad, uh, okay, I, I can use uh, our mower to mow these lawns. And he said, yes, you can. But you have to keep track of uh, how many hours you use the mower every week. Oh, yeah. I mean, said, for maintenance purposes, right? Right. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, for every hour that you use the mower, which is not on our yard, I'm going to charge you... 25 cents. Now, I was getting, at that time, I was getting 75 cents an hour to mow neighbors' lots. Okay. And I said, Dad, that means I'm only making 50 cents an hour. And he said, yes, but I'm the one who is putting in the gas and the oil for our mower. Well, it makes sense from you know, my perspective so, now. Yeah, and for, I mean... For a 12-year-old, did you get that? Did you understand it? Uh, kind of. I still felt hard done by, but then my dad, one day we were out in the car, just he and I, and he went to the gas station, and he said... Uh, get out of the car and turn on the pump and uh, start pumping gas in the car and I'll go in and pay. And this was, of course, uh, 
long before, you know, uh, you had pay at the pump magic cards. And uh, when he came out, he said, uh, do you see what it says on uh, the pump there? And I said, what do you mean? He says, it says gas is 23 cents a gallon, believe it or not. And uh, this is 1950-odd. And I said, yeah. And he said, I'm charging you 25 cents for every hour that you run the mower. And the mower burns about a gallon of gas every hour that it's run. So I said, okay. So, Dad, you're making two cents. And he said, no, because I've got to put oil in the mower, and that cost, so I'm not making anything. I'm losing money on you, son. Okay. Well, that, a couple of things strike me here, Ralph. Uh, one, it looked like initially your father said, okay, I'm going to charge you 25 cents for running the mower. There was no real explanation there. But... Uh, yeah, what you just sort of related was that he uh, uh, explained the logic behind his uh, request, and I would think that you got it, right? I did, and yeah. the other thing that I got um, was uh, was kind of interesting, also, and it it, uh, it relates to the article that we are putting up on Learn More about jobs for teens Mm -hmm. and that is he said uh, now you've got three lawns to mow you have to figure out when to mow them Mm -hmm. and I said well uh, what do you think uh, I should figure out and he said do you want to mow them on Saturday I said no, Saturday's not good. Do you want to mow them on Sunday? No, Sunday's part of my weekend. Okay, then which day of the week do you want to mow them? Okay, and so, so time figured, management skills. Yeah, so we figured out that uh, I couldn't, realistically, I couldn't do all three lawns in one day unless I took... Uh, Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon or something, which I didn't want to do. So we figured out I had to do three hours through the week. Mm-hmm. And and you had you to know, get I, school in there too, and you had to get after school activities in. Okay, I get it. So it ended up that most of the time, um, because we had uh, we had at that point uh, our supper meal uh, usually at about five o'clock. Shortly after my dad came home from work, um, we uh, we figured out. I figured out that uh, my best time would be uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at uh, about six o'clock. So I mowed from six to seven. Okay, interesting. Uh, my first job uh, was also as a preteen, 
Um, I was a newspaper carrier, first of all for the Globe and Mail, and then later on for the Toronto Star. And my route was, you know, not very far away from home, but I would uh, deliver after school. And uh, I had about 30 or so uh, customers, and I would deliver papers every day, Monday through Friday, I guess it was. I don't think there were Sunday or Saturday or Sunday editions. But uh, I had to carve out about an hour or so, and I chose right after school. Uh, this was, I think, uh, mainly when I was in elementary school, because I had a lot more after-school activities uh, as a teen at Sir James Dunn than I did at, as a preteen at Alec Muir School. Yeah. My first, quote, real job was when I was about 14 or so, and uh, I worked for Courtney Marine. This is a um, uh, company that, uh, that built boats and sold them and repaired them, and my job there was to keep the boats clean. So after school, I would go down to the marina, and I would wash boats. I had a never-ending supply of boats to wash. Why? Because <laughs> Algoma Steel was in full operation at that point. It was to the west of town, to the west of the marina, and the prevailing wind was west, and so Algoma Steel provided a, uh, uh, a surface of soot for me to wash off boats. Now, as a teen... I, I was getting paid. I don't know. I was getting paid a dollar an hour or something like that. Which back in the day, that was good. You know, if you think of gas as being at 23 cents a gallon. Um, yeah. But, you know, after you've gotten through the excitement of your first hundred boats that you've washed, it gets a little bit uh, repetitious. And uh, so I learned a lesson there, too, that jobs that were, were repeti- repetitious, even though they needed to be done, might not be, you know, what I want to do. And uh, yeah. what a couple of things happened. Uh, they branched out, and they started to sell a trailer. Now, these trailers today, we would know, know them as pop-up campers, but nobody had ever seen one of these things in northern Ontario. And so um, somebody demonstrated it to me. I thought it was just a cat's meow. I thought it was great. And uh, so they stuck one in the, uh, uh, oh, what the heck, the grocery store over uh, by, oh, Churchill Plaza. Okay, I think it was in yeah. the Dominion store or something like that. And they put me with it and to demonstrate how the thing worked. And I got really, really good at putting it up and taking it down and telling people about how great an invention this thing is. So I really liked doing that. And another, another thing happened. Uh, they built a, a sailboat that they were going to sell. And um, uh, that's when I was learning how to sail. And so in my spare time, I would go out and sail. Uh, then one day, somebody came along and wanted to buy the boat. But they didn't know how to sail. And so for oh, a couple of weeks, I was a sailing instructor. And I think it's when I really got in touch with the fact that I liked teaching. So those are two experiences early on that uh, were formative for me. 
one. Yeah. I was pretty sure I didn't like cleaning boats for forever. And two, I you know, learned that, uh, that teaching was something that was fun for me. Yeah, what and you know, you the do? the interesting thing, Jim, as you mentioned, uh, the soot from Algoma Steel, um, you know, um, one of the things that probably struck you about cleaning the boats is that uh, you clean uh, Stan's boat on Monday, and the next Monday you found yourself cleaning it again because in the intervening week, whether it had been used or not, uh, it was dirty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, you know, the... Uh, yeah, there was a lot of job security in that job. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, the... The interesting thing that uh, I guess is a lesson for the parent who's trying to help their their teen get and keep their first job is uh, that you have to uh, you have to give them uh, some maybe good advice uh, about time management, and about being on time. Yeah, I think being on time is is crucial. I mean, who wants to um, uh, hire anybody and then find that they're, you know, they don't show up when, you, when Stan needs his boat uh, cleaned up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And another, uh, go ahead. Another thing I thought about, Ralph, was... Uh, you know, this is different from when you and I were starting out. When you and I were starting out, telephones were fixed to the wall, and, uh, you know, they were in your house. And maybe they were in a call box on the corner. You know that uh, telephone call boxes are now kind of a, a thing of the past, like dinosaurs? Anyhow, I digress. Um, nowadays, you know, kids are fastened to their telephone, and uh, they seem to be really, really intense on uh, uh, communicating or, or, or using the device. Even now, I do not have a device that one would refer to as a smart device. My, my flip phone is closer to the phone of the, the 50s. But, uh, uh, hey, if I'm the boss, I'm paying a, someone to do something, I want them to do the thing that they're getting paid for as opposed to being on the phone what seems to me to be incessantly, you know, doing something else. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think that's that sound advice, Jim. And you know, when you think about it, back in the day when when you and I were young people, just trying our feet into the employment world, the phone was on the wall, and we yeah. were free. Now the phone is in our hands, and we're not free. <laughs> okay, good point. And so, later on, you know, a lot of a lot of teens today. I uh, I'm thinking that um, you know we're going to end up with uh, a whole generations, more than one generation, 
of people who really only know how to use one hand because their phone is always in the other hand. <laughs> oh, Ralph, we all know that you're a Luddite anyway, so I think <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more positive about the ambidextrous nature of our kids today. But, um, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, probably you and I maybe learned the hard way was that um, when we do make a commitment to a job, that it's not a partial commitment. You know, when you and I signed on at the steel plant during the during the summers as you know student laborers, uh, we had to show up not a couple of hours after uh, uh, dinner on what did you say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? We had a forty-hour yeah. shift. You know, it's eight hours a day. We had to get there at a certain time. You know, we could leave at the end of a certain time, and then we had to, you know, be back doing it again. Not unlike, you know, the repetition of uh, um, wiping down, you know, boats at the marina. But I think we learned, we learned that, you know, that was something that did, I think, stand us in good stead later on with our professional jobs. Now, did you yeah, mainly it, show up on time when you were teaching? Yes. How come? Well, it goes back to, um, you know, you arbitrarily, let's uh, give an example. You were working uh, 7 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the first day you came in and you punched in at 5 minutes to 7, and you walked across to the mill you were working in, and uh, you got in, and the foreman looked at you with cold, beady eyes and said, uh, You're late. You be here by quarter to seven uh, because the shift ends at 6.45. Your previous partner who worked uh, 11 to 7 Mm -hmm. who you're replacing uh, he wants to get out of here and change off is at 645 so 5 to 7 wasn't good enough you had to be there at 745 punched in and ready to work Uh well that's a ready to work means ready to work at that point meant that you were there with your work boots on and laced up and your hard hat and your gloves. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you weren't there just getting stuff out of your locker. Right. Okay, so that's at the at the steel plant. Now, how does that help you later on when you're a, a prophet or Goma College? Well, it, it helped me, uh, for one thing, to understand that uh, you know, my students who were usually there at, at, you know, maybe some of them straggling in right at the hour, but many of them were sitting in class at um, 10 too. Uh, they right. wanted, uh, quite often, they wanted to ask me a question or get me to recap the previous uh classes lesson uh and 
you know, if I didn't get there till five after the hour, they were highly indignant. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, or and, might, they, they might not have shown their indignation, but they would be probably disappointed in you. Yeah, I can see it. And, you know, the thing is that uh, you do that often enough, and what you're instilling in your students is, I don't have to show up on time to class because my teacher is always late. Yeah. And, uh, well, in my job, then, I can be late, too, because I learned from Professor Baber that it's okay to be late. You know, it's an, it's an unspoken message, but I think, uh, I think you know, kids will get it. Well, there are several other points in the article that our listeners can read, you know, about problem solving and uh, not assuming that you know everything. But I think for right now, Ralph, we've kind of looked at a little bit at our experiences with uh, you know, early stage um, uh, job, uh, what would it be early stage employment, I guess. And uh, yeah. for, the most, for the most part, we made it through, right? We did. Uh, there were times that uh, either my mom or my dad would uh, would look at the clock in the kitchen and look at me sitting at the kitchen table and go, it's Tuesday <laughs> and it's six o'clock. Uh, I wonder what that means, uh, mom and dad. <laughs> uh, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, like, why aren't you out there mowing uh, Newt Vance's lawn? And, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't take too long before I realized yeah. that I really didn't want uh, somebody saying, mm-hmm, you're a tardy again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they were pre- uh, helping to instill autonomy in you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So I knew we'd bring it around to a psychological principle. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Jim, because when we think of ourselves in in high school, uh, you know, we are probably the last generation, uh, you and I, who can honestly say uh, winter spring and fall, we walked a mile to school and a mile home, uphill, both ways, didn't matter the weather, blah, 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 and uh, really truth, except it probably wasn't uphill it both wasn't. ways. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the nice thing about being a Luddite, uh, Ralph, you can uh, still use those stories. So until... <laughs> Until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying, keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this. Together. Together.